Hey folks, this is Adam Mock from Major Watcher Podcast with a quick call to action in case you guys ever want to drop us a line, get a hold of us, and just become friends. We'd love to have you. So our email is feedback at majorwatcherpodcast.com. Easy as that. Our Twitter is Watch, Just as easy. I'm at ad underscore mock. Mel's at spoopity boop. S-P-O-O-P-I-T-Y-B-O-O-P. On Instagram, Podcast. Mel is Mel dot O H H dot dramatic. So Mel O dramatic. And I'm mock underscore Adam. And we also have a YouTube channel called Major Watch Podcast. It's easy as that. So drop us a line. Give us a request. Talk to us. We'd love to hear from our fans. And we really love you guys. You've been wonderful. And we can't wait to hear from you. So until then, I've been Adam Mock. And we're going to start the show. Hello, Mangy Watch listeners. As you know, this week we are going to be discussing Bo Burnham, specifically Bo Burnham's Make Happy and more importantly, Bo Burnham's Inside. Now, if you've seen these pieces, you already know, especially of Inside, that there is a, a there's a lot of mention of, of suicide and, and self-harm and self-deprecation in these specials. And we're going to be talking about that at length in the podcast. We're going to be talking about like even some real experiences that we may have had or that we like have heard of. And we don't want anybody who is sensitive to that kind of subject to come away from this feeling worse in any way. So yeah. if that is something you are not prepared to hear, consider yourself warned. And listen, um, if you're having issues, you're sad, just remember there are people who love you and they're out there for you. And if you need to talk to someone, there are services. You can call 998 for the Suicide Crisis Lifeline. You can go to 998lifeline.org. There are, you just go online, you can find someone to talk to. Even if you're not comfortable talking with friends and family, someone's always there to help you. And we love you. We take care of yourselves. And also I'd like to tack on if you're feeling like, and I felt this way many times in my life. If you're like, it's not that serious. I'm just so lonely. I just feel so alone. Listen, guys, this is a small fan base. It's a small community. I know we're going to talk a lot about the themes of parasocial interaction in this, but genuinely Adam and I are just a couple of people that like film. You can reach out to us and talk to us on Twitter. We're not going <laughs> to try to sell you things. We don't make money off of this. We just want everyone to be happy. We'd like to, yeah. but until then you can all just no, be ha- make right happy. Now, <laughs> you want a friend if you're no. feeling lonely there's an epidemic of loneliness happening right now legitimately and i love chatting with people yeah, online drop us about a line stuff please like come talk to us we don't bite if yeah. anything we we will endeavor to make your day nicer we're pretty easy to find online and all of our all of our socials at the front of the show that that way you know you just want to reach out and join a community we're we're, tr- we're creating one. You, you don't know? even have to follow us. We're not trying to get you to follow no, us here. I just, literally just don't want anyone to be lonely. No. <laughs> Hell, I sit up at night usually just on Twitter by myself anyway. Which is exactly, it's so sad sometimes. When yeah. somebody drops you a line, it brightens your day. That's all I'm yeah. saying. But seriously, folks, always look for it started help. started out well-intentioned and in the middle I was like, shit, I sound like I'm shilling. That's not what I meant. No, no, you're, you're, you're caring. And we care about you. And you know what? We're there for you. There's always something that someone there for you and don't ever think you're alone. So let's start the show. Yeah. I'm Adam Mock, a 40 something year old film critic 
and I'm about to learn a bunch about Bo Burnham. I'm Melanie Weir, a 27-year-old writer, and I had to show Adam Bo Burnham because he's probably my generation's best comedian. And we're about to make you watch... A podcast. Welcome back to Made You Watch, a podcast. And for since I did a comedy bit kind of show last week with uh, the Pee Wee Herman show... Mel gave me a couple of her favorite comedians um, shows. Uh, and and I, I have to apologize because I didn't realize until I rewatched Inside that it is much longer than an hour. Oh, it's an hour 27, I believe. And which is typical way, table. Piece. Sorry. Which is way longer than the usual comedy show. Uh, usually a comedy show is just an hour. It's flat. an hour. You know, uh, and they'll edit down to get it to an hour and take out certain bits and stuff that go on the DVD. Yeah. Blu-rays. Yeah. But, um, this was interesting. Yeah, because I the reason I, I had to show you another one of his specials, but I also had to show you Inside because Inside's the most important and like... Yeah. Like, really I don't even want to play a trailer for these because... I don't think there was a trailer. Yeah, they, you wouldn't... You wouldn't see anything. There was no trailer. There was just Bo Burnham posted on Twitter. Bo Burnham has a new special coming out on Netflix next week. What the hell? That was all it was? He had been radio silent for five years. Well, that's what was interesting about um inside what i learned about it i mean like he hadn't been he did eighth grade he did the he like he was in movies but like as far as his comedy went well we all just thought he was done well let's get into it the first one be happy make happy make happy sorry i keep wanting to be happy um he's a he's he's a musical comic yes you know always has been um and they're few and far between there's not a ton of them you know like i remember when i was growing up it was stephen lynch was our musical comic and he was Super dirty, super offensive. I mean, well, he wrote what <laughs> he wrote a song called like he wrote a song called "Kill a Kitten." Let's put it that way. Mo has a bit called "I Fuck Sluts." This guy did a song about his friend called Special Ed. I mean, both and did he have a song because Kill he got yourself. hit in the head with a brick and oh, became special, no. a little bit special. So I bet my dad liked this guy because I he feel was, like I've heard him make that He joke. was funny, but his comedy, I'm sure, in this day and age is very it, – it's 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 in the realm of just dirty comic. Yeah. His stuff doesn't hold up as much. It's but upsetting spaghetti. There, were, there weren't too many comics who did a ton of music. Well, like, they, there's that guy who did the new math song. Mm-hmm. And, I forget who that is. Um, the Weird Al. Weird Al, yeah, Weird Al, but he wasn't really a stand-up. He he pretty he did, he, yeah. Which was funny listening to Bo Burnham on one of the songs on Inside. He sounded like Weird Al. Which one? When he had, I forget which one. Um, I don't know if I wrote it down, but there's literally a song where he hits um an auto tune, and he uses the same. That's a and he kind of does the same voice that. Weird Al brings out that like kind of high pitched way he sometimes robotically sings when he's mm-hmm. kind of being silly, and Bo was doing it, and I kind of closed my eyes for a second. I'm like, wow, on auto tune, he sounded a lot. He was hitting Weird Al pitches, and I was that's like, funny. that's kind of cool. But yeah, I mean, I always kind of thought musical comics were funny, um, and he's no exception. I, I like I said, I went in knowing him as an more as an actor and I didn't really know I knew him as an actor. Which is wild because I've never seen him act in anything. I'd never known him really until you brought him up. Like, I didn't see Promising Young Woman until after I met you. I'm mad at myself for not having seen, not Promising Young Woman as much, although apparently that's really good according to Adam's ravings, but Eighth Grade was a movie I should have watched when it came out and yeah. I didn't. 
And apparently, it's like I should still watch it. I mean, he's on like Be- We Bear Bears. He does a voice. Who he's- was who was he on We Bear Bears? Uh, Andy Bangs and additional voices. I have to. I didn't know that. I have to go through a rewatch of that. Show. He was in Parks and Rec. He was in an episode of Parks and Rec. Yep, he was in Parks and Rec. He was on Kroll Show. Doing kind of a mini version of a joke he doesn't make happy. Oh, really? Because he was making fun of country music and country artists for being disingenuous. And what was um. He did a show called Zach, Zach Stone, Stone is going to be, be famous. It's on Netflix now. It's a very silly, silly show. Okay. Uh, just really YouTube-esque. Okay. If it wasn't made for YouTube, it feels like it should have been. It reminded me a little bit of the Fred yeah. show. And it was it was just like really early on when we were still trying to figure, people, like TV was still trying to figure out what to do with these YouTube comedian, comedians. Yeah. I mean, and, it, it kind of started with Jackass, I would say. Because yeah. they were, they were, they were camp kill yourself. CKY, and then they picked up Jackass and made that into a show. Yeah. So it was like that. Um, he was just this asshole kid whose parents hated him who was trying to be famous. Like, it was a little too dark for me when I first started watching it because I was like, oh, my God, a Bo Burnham yeah. show on Netflix now. And, like, the first episode, his parents are super mean to him. And, like, he's a little shit. <laughs> Nobody's parents should treat them that way. And I was like, I don't know if I can keep watching this. And I didn't realize he executive produces a lot of stand-up. He did that new uh, Gerard Carmichael Rathaniel. Uh, he was oh. exec producer on oh, that. I know he's friends with Gerard Carmichael. Uh, little Ray Howery, he did uh, one of his shows. Uh, like, this guy he does he's he's kind I mean, of a triple threat yeah i mean as a youtuber you kind of have to be a producer right off the bat yeah i mean it, it's what we do you know like, yeah it was kind of fun though like that creative it, control honestly. is nice yeah no it's it was crazy and like if we had just had a little more support it wouldn't have been i wouldn't have minded working the back breaking hours we were working yeah. if we had been getting like paid properly and could take days off on occasion <laughs> so be happy Make happy. happy. God damn it. I'm going to figure that out eventually. <laughs> I just watched the stupid thing. Um, I enjoyed it a lot. I, I really, I found it funny as hell. Um, he's very much, I love his sarcasm where he puts himself as the character in the song and the character's a dick. Oh, yeah. Like the, the country, every country music song. Oh, legalize gerrymandering, <laughs> tolerate my pandering. It's, and- I put my <laughs> we go to bed, you doze off, so I take your country girl clothes off. <laughs> I put my hands on your body, it feels like, hey, it's a fucking scarecrow again. <laughs> it keeps mistaking the girl for a scarecrow. <laughs> and it's just so random and sick. Good girl in a straw hat with her arms <laughs> out in a cornfield. Corn that is a scarecrow. <laughs> Thought it was a human woman. Sorry. Oh, man. But- I love how he slips in and out of the accent during that song. That is one of my favorite ones. I showed that to my parents because my mom loves country yeah. music and my dad doesn't. And my mom was just kind of like smile <coughs> frowning begrudgingly through the whole thing. Like, damn it, this is funny. My dad was giggling. Yeah. It was so amusing. I mean, uh, well, he but he would do weird things like that. Like when he came out and he walks around the piano and he hits, he, he just taps it. And he goes, oh, you thought I was going to play? No, you no, have no idea no, what's coming next. You don't know what's going on. And he like yells at the crowd and the <laughs> I will give him credit for Stop participating. Oh, and the people are just screaming out and he's just like, I love you. No, you don't. You love I love the idea of you. Stop participating. <laughs> Not a participatory thing going on up here. Trying to immortalize something I've worked on for a long time. Shut up. <laughs> he goes like Jim Carrey there. He yeah. has a lot of Jim Carrey in him. Yeah. Um, but it's funny, like I was reading a little bit about just who he is and his, he started 
pretty early. I mean, he was doing Real stuff young. in high school. He was and, like 14. Yeah. And he was just making videos and doing stand up. And, and he's a fantastic musician. I mean, yeah. He he was writing stuff that honestly, has he ever written something for Broadway? No. I don't think yet. He would, the fact that he hasn't written a show for Broadway, I'm kind of shocked. It's, it's, it would be brilliant. It's coming. I feel like somebody, it, it's got to just be a matter of time. I mean, because when we were watching Inside. theater kids loved him. That was his demographic. I was looking at his equipment that he had in his little workshop, and I was like, my office is starting to look like this. Oh, <laughs> it's just God. microphones and video cameras. Lights. And I'm just like, oh, man. And then he, t- at one point, he gets frustrated and starts throwing equipment. Uh-huh. I almost pissed myself. I'm like, no, I'll take it. Don't throw that away that's the camera i want Dude, so, that's that little house is just like a building on his property yeah i know because i noticed it at the end of um make happy when he walks out of that room he walks up i thought he was married with a kid no that's his mother and their dog oh i thought you couldn't see it was so blurry i yeah, thought that's the point and that was the i looked it up he he's very quiet about he about his his, his, his social life or She's like a producer or something. She's like five years older than him. They're very much in love. They don't talk about their relationship. There's a few. I saw one picture of them online together. Yeah. They're sweet. Yeah. No, they're, they just, they stay out of the the spotlight, which is very cool. There's a, the inside outtakes. He actually came out with like a sequel special of a bunch of songs that he didn't put in the, in the original. Oh, really? And there's one song called five years about being together with your girlfriend for five years. And it's like (laughs) one verse is just talking about how come if you like, I order dumplings and you don't, you still feel like you're entitled to my dumplings. Get your own dumplings. (laughs) Bad, bad argument. I literally have that argument. I have the argument, Mindy, you're going to get so mad at me, where I'll go, would you like a bite of my sandwich? And she goes, yes. And she will, like, take, like, a half of, a, like, the half the half of the sandwich. So oh. she's eating a quarter of my sandwich. Well, I don't do that. And I'm just like, a bite. Not, a, like, not half my meal. I do pick at Will's food. She's like, but, but I'm trying to get everything that's inside the sandwich. I'm like, yeah, that's why I kind of bit it to the middle. And that's where all the goodness is. I, I, I saved that part for you. I birded the sandwich for you. I pre-chewed. Because I'm hungry and you just ate my lunch. Will will frequently, though, will be sharing food and he will look, I will look down and like try to like take it back and he will eat in the whole thing without realizing it. He'll look down like horrified and then look at me so sad. Like, you know the way a dog looks at you when you, like the dog knows it's done something You went to go get some more seltzer and it ate your dinner? Literally. And just Will looks up at me with the giantest puppy dog eyes and you know he's like, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to do that. And it's like, God damn it, you hate. Although apparently the last two times we got scared and pancakes i did that to him and i felt terrible oh i know because that last time you were i think we were recording you're like oh i got scallion pancakes we did home. <laughs> i hate all of them <laughs> i don't know if i've ever had scallion they're pancakes. so good dude I oh bet they my are. god do you like sour cream and onion chips yeah. do you like you like, know i do you like like fried like pancake dough I like fried style things these are god's gift to humanity that was the easiest sell ever yes <laughs> i think i know i'm getting for dinner order tonight. chinese tonight and try scallion pancakes oh my god scallion and you get them and they're pancakes. not flat if they don't pull apart like real easy with your hands if they're too fluffy they're not good scallion pancakes so like disregard but if they're the good flat ones the more you know oh man <laughs> so how do you want to get started with this do you want to talk about kind of who bo burnham is is because I find 
do just doing a little research on him, I found him super interesting. Um, oh yeah, he definitely that's a good place to start because I think that's ultimately where I want this to go. He deals a lot with one being a white guy. Yes, every I mean, white man. And I thought I was going to get sick of that. Like I thought it was going to get a little too. Oh no! Like I thought it was going to get too SJW for me. It, he never does, and he doesn't because he, he's smarter than that. He's playing it like. He gives you just enough, and then he makes it into a joke. It's because he's not—he's not trying to hit buzzwords. He recognize—he recognizes when people are, yeah. or they're just like doing their due diligence. Yeah. I'm doing air quotes here, or like, you know, quoting a topic yeah. they read and parroting. Like he understands what he's talking about. He understands what actual injustice is, and he understands when people are just parading for points. Yeah, and he's a—he hates social media. Social media. And one of the first times I heard him talk um, in an interview, he literally just went off on how we are just these puppets to people. We we are just feeding for attention and likes, and and it's it's turning us into maniacs. It's like how he was saying saying companies used to compete for like land or for your money, and now they're competing for like you. And they've run out your of your attention. They're they're competing for your attention, and they're coming for every second of your life. Chris Rock, that's a bit in his new sketch is like, that's the new commodity in this country is your attention means is brings in more money because you just, and you just keep feeding that machine every day. You're just like, I want, I want people to like me to be fair. That's not our fault. The no. machine existing, not anybody's yeah. fault, but the people and on top. And it, it, it sucks. Cause I'm sitting there going, I get it. But unfortunately for me, at least, it's part of our business. I know. And it sucks. And that's the tragedy Bo is always talking about. Yeah. And which he's, you feel it in Make Happy. And I watched Make Happy when I was like 20. I think I'm five years younger than Bo. He's 33 He was born right in now. 1990. He, yeah, I'm five years younger than Bo. Yeah. So I watched that when it came out and I was 20. And I didn't quite understand what he was saying. And I was like, maybe when I get older, I will understand better. And I did. When I got to 25, I understood a little better. But I yeah. still didn't get it. Because he nobody had gotten there yet. Nobody had quite made the connection except for maybe him and he wasn't saying anything. I don't know. But it's, it's, there's this, if you're a performer or an entertainer right now, that whole world of, of social media, of, of commodifying attention of likes, like you can't escape from that. It it was already your business and a bunch of other people have now found it and, and taken it and twisted it and distorted it and made it so that you can't escape what they made anymore yeah. because if you pull out then you don't have any more exposure because they've already taken the attention away from you mm-hmm. you needed their attention to survive because that's all you've got that's what you have you put on a show these are advertisers they could have advertised anywhere and they're instead coming to like they, they want new platforms to like almost just be for advertising they're letting you do the work for them in some exactly. ca- in some it's cases just- it's it's like like They'll put up a promotion and you, you're commenting on that promotion. You just help them promote. And I do it all the goddamn time. Yeah. But most of the time you it's me, it. it's me ripping on whatever it is that other people are, are jo- and it's, it's kind of me just being a sarcastic prick to some of it as a, an F you to the internet when I'm just kind of done promoting for the day. And I'm just like, all right, I got to dunk on something just to make myself feel better. And I don't like that either. No, but it's like, it, and the, this is what he's talking about. It's like, he like. If he wants to keep doing what he knows he was meant to do, which coming back and inside, having to come back and finding that he had to keep working or he would fall back into that pit. 
he's like, oh, that's it. I have to do this forever. And it's almost like he came out of the depression and then got more depressed because he was like, oh, no, this is the only thing that makes me happy. And the only thing that makes me happy is being held hostage by this, like, dystopian capitalist machine that won't let any of us go. And, like, we're all kind of willingly trapped in. It's like this endless cycle of feeding itself. And Bo managed to pull himself out of it because he just he he couldn't deal with it anymore and he was lucky enough that his fame pervaded so much that when he came back everybody was still receptive and to he it. kept busy and under exactly and he kept busy and he kept working on himself and like working on his stuff and that's a huge part of it yeah. but it's he he talks about so often how much he acknowledges how that's not going to be possible for so many of us yeah. and like how many lost artists there are going to be specifically because we were sold these machines by these artists that are supposed to make it easier to get ourselves out there. Yeah. I mean, I was, I, what I found interesting about inside was he had, he had a, he was having nervous, nervous uh, panic attacks before he would go out, go out on stage. And after when you're watching the end of make happy, he's having a panic attack during yeah. the last number. You he could, said that in you interviews. can tell he's a little, he's, he's shaky and he's, he's a little off, but he, he holds it together. And, but what, what, what he did was he decided to retire for a little bit and he was just like, I need to take a break just because I can't go out there every night. He was, it was really destroying him. His mental health. Did he, he took a a pretty decent amount of time off. Five years. Was it five? I thought it was two. It was at least five. Five. Okay. And then he was coming back with a special and then COVID hit. And he was like, I had finally hyped myself up and now I cannot leave my house. Which is so funny. In 2020, I finally decided something is wrong here. Mm. I'm not maturing into an adult by now the way I expected to. I think I have ADHD or something. Also, there's something wrong with my knee and I have asthma. So I should just go home and make a bunch of doctor's appointments. Oh, and get my wisdom teeth removed. That was another thing. I made all the doctor's appointments. The (laughs) week they all were, we got the stay inside order. Oh, and not only did I have no choice but to continue existing in this like state of kind of pain, I just that's nuts. It was almost like I was trapped. Like I hadn't wanted to grow up, and then all of a sudden I couldn't. I see. I had I had a similar thing happen to me with COVID, where it was my birthday. Oh, God. Which it was we're recording this He's two days birthday. before my birth. We're recording this two days for my birthday, March twelfth. I was working as an electrician. I'm out. I'm working in this elderly man's house, his gorgeous penthouse, in the middle of Manhattan. And we're, I mean, it's me, my brother, my brother's business partner, and this other guy uh, that I used to work with named Igor. (laughs) And we're just running some lights or something to the outside of this guy's deck. And he is coughing up a storm. Oh, no. And we had just heard about COVID. His maid is wiping everything down. We're wearing masks going into his house, coming out. I'm outside all day. I'm really depressed because it's my birthday. I rip my shirt, climbing under a deck. I mean, it was like the worst day ever. I'm really getting the shit beat out of me. And I, I'm not feeling well because we're outside and it's kind of cold. And I go home that night. I just, I, I felt off. I just mm-hmm. felt off. And I tell my brother, my brother's like, by law, I have to keep you home. And he's not happy about it, and I don't blame him. He's trying to run a business. I was like, dude, I just don't want to get people sick. Not, no, so like I'm like, that. you know what? I'm going to take a day you off. Have no idea it's, how smart that it's, was. It's my birthday. I'm taking the rest. Of, I'm taking the day off. The next day, the world shuts down. It was, and then I got 
a children's book published that year. I got all this stuff done and my brother, you know, he quit, he quit the business eventually started his brewery. Like as miserable as we were, it got us to do the things that we were trying to do this whole time. And it kind of changed my life. Yeah. But I had to go through a lot of hell in that meantime where at first you're like, oh, this is great. I don't have to work after I've been busting my ass. And then after a while, you're like, I need to go outside. I need to get out of the house. I'm going to lose my shit any like, second now. I felt like I had I had cursed us because I had been wishing Will had just started and it was busy season and he was never, ever home. And I was just like, I wish. He was an accountant? Yeah. Yeah. I was just like, I wish somehow that like he could just work here. Like he could just stay here for, cause I, I, don't, I is this the rest of our lives? Just this, he's going to go to work eight hours a day. I'm going to be stuck here doing something. Maybe hopefully I'll have a job. Some of the time we come home, we spend four hours together. Go we to go to bed. bed. <laughs> That's it. Like, is that, that what was my life through school for that sounds miserable, horrible. I don't want this. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, can there, is there any way that this can change? People keep talking about the four day work week. I don't think that anybody's going to change that in the next like 30, 40 years. And then we were stuck at home. Yeah. And literally for the first month or two, when I thought it was only going to be a month or two, I was like, honestly, okay, I'm not going to complain. <laughs> and then it kept going. And then it kept going. And then I didn't see anybody yeah. for months. Ugh. And then I went insane. Same here. <laughs> and then I, I didn't get anything done. I just fell into a pit. I've never been that depressed. And before. then I, I had to bring my mother up from Georgia to live with me and take care of her because she only has one working lung. And uh, I had to make sure she she could not get COVID. I couldn't get COVID. Thank God, your mom. And I just I, I literally spent nine months taking care of my mother because I was so I she was by herself in a new town halfway across the country. And I was just like, no, I can't. I, I got to go get her. And I eastbound and down and went and got got her. I just, COVID broke me because I don't think that I had ever had, I've been like, I had had been the Energizer Bunny. I had never had time to think about, you know, the next Mm. step or or what I really, like, I was just like, yeah, people have been pushing me forward and they say this is where I should go. So, and I got out of college and I was a little confused and, but I was like, I got to find something or I won't be able to stay here. And like, there was always something motivating me. Like I always had to keep going. And then I I didn't have that anymore. And I realized I didn't want to. Yeah. I actually hated how much I had been go, go, going. And it was like this necessary reckoning that I'm sure I would have had a much worse break later down the line if it hadn't happened. But then... I was just 25 and in a pit. Yeah. And I'm sure and having ADHD on top of that, where you got, you got the hamster wheel going in a million directions. Well, that was how and, I found And you have out. No t- nothing to do but think. That was how I really figured it out. It went from a maybe to a definitely within yeah. like months because I was like, I don't function like this. Yeah, no. I think a lot of people found out who they really are during covid you know what's interesting is covid we came back from covid and people expected me to go back out and and go back to jobs all the time and i burnt out from that too and i was like oh i do need to be inside for a lot of the time some of the time so i actually really don't know what's going on i just don't think anything is structured well right now and you know if things are falling apart maybe there's a reason (laughs) but i think that's the brilliance of inside Getting back to the movie we're going to talk about. Well, the the show we're going to talk about. Unlike Make Happy, which is an example of 
what he really does. It's it's or did I don't know. Wait. It's still well because he, he, he hasn't hasn't sh- done stand up. He hasn't had a show since inside. Yeah, no. Um, and I think this really put him in a weird. It, it puts him in such a weird place that we can all relate to. And the only thing keeping him sane is being busy. Yeah. Because whenever he has downtime, he, he, you can see he, he has moments. Basically what it is, is the world shuts down. Bo comes out. He's got his hairs a little long. He's got a scraggly beard just starting kind of. He does this like cut of him testing lights and testing equipment. And you watch his hair and his beard grow over time. And I said he starts to look like your brother Mikey he by does. the end of it. Mikey's got, <laughs> Mikey also grew really long hair and a beard during yeah. quarantine. And he's, he, you know, he's deciding I'm just going to work every day and I'm going to make a special. And that will be... Robert's been a little depressed, <laughs> oh, and so today I'm going to try just sitting up, getting down, down, getting up, up sitting getting down, down, going back get, get. to work. Might not help, but still it couldn't hurt. That's literally... You used to sing that at work all the time, and I never knew what the hell you were singing. And he sang that. It's the first thing he sings. When he hit that line, I was like, oh, it all makes sense now. Yes, so I would just be go. I made you some content, or like when I was sitting. <laughs> and there, the song's called the content song. When I was sitting there at work, and I was like, "Why do I do what I do? I'm just writing what my boss wants me to write about celebrities and Kanye West." And I would just be like, "Getting up, <laughs> sitting down, going back to work." See, Might I might not help, but still, it couldn't hurt. See, I had Dolly's nine to five stuck in my head the whole time. It's like dum 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 dum. Getting up and going to the kitchen, pulling myself a cup of ambition. And I was just like, yep, yeah, I'm going every day, Dolly. <laughs> oh, what a oh. weird, miserable job. And so, all right. So the, the show is basically him by himself. Occasionally, he'll throw a laugh track on as a joke. Yes. And it even says in the subtitles, like, fake laugh track. <laughs> and it's just him working out whatever's bugging him or whatever he notices. And one of the earliest songs was the most relatable thing. Like I said, oh, I had I my... I find all of these to be the most relatable I had my thing. mother living with me at the time, remember. But before that, it's the FaceTime with my I'm mom song. FaceTime with my mom. My mother's covering the camera Ring with her thumb. thumb again. And he's like, she's got it too, which is from her face. Pull it about six inches back. She'll hold her <laughs> iPhone 5 no further than six inches from her face. And then, yeah. he's, and then he's like, oh... Guess who it is? It's your dad. No, don't put me on with my dad. No, no. Hi, dad. How's it going? Pretty good, son. How you doing today? (laughs) I said I'm not so bad. And that's the deepest talk we've ever had. had. (laughs) Don't get me wrong. I I don't have any problem with my mother. But the techno bits in this are everything (laughs) my mom always does to me. Where she's just like, it it wants a face ID. And I'm like, yeah, you have to re-sign in and do it again. But you signed in for me like a year ago. And I'm like, I know, the phone probably reset and you gotta sign in again. Oh man. Can oh you God. can you show me how to do it? I'm like, over the phone? But you need the phone to do it. <laughs> you just hold it up to your face. I don't the app does it by itself. It was it and it, it, it's just that delighted me because I'm just like, yep, that song it, uh, uh, right away, it was the it's the third song in, I believe. Yeah. And my parents aren't that bad with technology. Uh, my mom, my mom, she's I understand. She, she's a lot older. Your mom and, is like my grandmother's <clears throat> age or something. Yeah, 
Yeah, I will not say my mom's age because she will yell at me. Just my mother, <laughs> my grandmother, his mother, same age. That's all you need to know. <laughs> but um, no, it was just so relevant and it cracks me. This conversations me and my brother would have. Like, you talk to mom today? Yeah, I was trying to fix her phone for her. <laughs> Like me too. Yeah, I'm trying. You know what? You know I, what's really sweet about that song actually is it sounds like he's complaining about his mom, but the whole time he's talking about how much he needs to talk to his mom, yes. even though he's like frustrated and feeling awful the entire time, and he's like he doesn't know why he's yelling at her. He's sorry for yelling at her, at her, but he still needs to talk well, to his it, mom. It's because he wants to feel better, but all she needs him for at the moment is to fix something or to or to. Like she's kind of messing it up because she doesn't know how the technology works, and, and he just wants just to be to in the same to her and he's room like, with her. I can't, I can't see you like this. It, it is a, it's a bittersweet song, but deep down, I think it, it's really, really cute. Um, it's like at the end, you almost see him going to himself. I need help. And this whole show takes place in his studio that's yeah. off of his house, giving you the impression that he lived there. He didn't. He has a yeah. much larger house that he lived in, yeah. and I. I think he lived with his girlfriend by then. I'm not sure if they lived together. I don't know. Um, eh, whatever. <laughs> to each his own. I live with my girlfriend. But um, let's see. The the other thing that he does twice that I respect is like half-handedly thanking Bezos for everything. You did it! <laughs> Congratulations! He did it every time Jeffrey Bezos became the richest man in the world because at one point during... <laughs> At one point during COVID, he got beaten by somebody else. I think it was probably Elon Musk or somebody else. Probably. Stupid. Um, but then he became the richest man again, so he recorded another one. Is that why? I think so. That's really funny. That and White Woman's Instagram. I love that Holy song. Holy crap. I laughed so hard during that. No, let's talk about that song. That's one of my favorite ones. I have a I have a canvas print from inside, and it's all it's all like Instagram print of all the pictures he took in White Woman's Instagram. So it's him reenacting what he sees white women do on Instagram. You know, like he he's laying on he's the sitting floor, there with surrounded a, by daisies, covered his eye with daisies. Or he's wearing nothing but a flannel shirt and he's pulling it down over his shoulder. You see and a you, little hint of booty. You almost see his ass hanging out. He's got like a prism through the window, like making a rainbow across his face. Men, if you're keeping score of things I'm attracted to, it's just Bo Burnham doing that. Like that's <laughs> so funny. Oh, Bo Burnham acting like a girl. It was hilarious. I, I don't know what it does to me, but it does something. And it's funny. When I first kind of was learning about him, he, and he jokes that his parents thought he was gay. Uh, my whole family thinks I'm gay. I, thought, I wasn't sure if he was or not. Everybody thinks that. And that's why I looked it up, because at the end of Make Happy, when he went to the house, I thought that was a wife and kid. I didn't realize it was his mom and a dog, because no. it's super blurry. I think that's, again, the point. Yeah, no, I know. And I didn't get it, because I was just like, does he have a wife and kid? I'm like, he didn't talk about them. Okay, well, I looked it up, and I'm like, no, he has a girlfriend and no kids. I'm like, okay, no problem. Like, I, I was just like, Huh, I know nothing about this dude. Mm -hmm. And you really unravel him in inside. It it it's such an experiment in trying to keep from going crazy. He, like yeah, literally it, it literally it, says at the beginning, he's like, I hope that this will special will help you um the way it helped me, which was to distract myself from wanting to put a bullet into my head with a gun. Which and, yeah. And he's like, but I would never actually do that, and you shouldn't either. And he's He does have a bit later on where he's like talking. He shoots something originally. He's like, Don't kill yourself. Just 
don't, okay? I know like, I talk about it, but but if, if... If I could die right now and be dead for 18 months... That was it. And I, when he said that, I was like, yes, that exact feeling. He's like, but you can't. So you don't can't, kill yourself. When you kill yourself, you're dead forever, and yeah. you don't want to be dead forever. He, but then you see it superimposed, and he's watching it with much longer hair and a longer beard, and it's on his T-shirt, you can yeah. see. I, and it's just like he... he he does you some cool stuff with projectors. That he is trying not to kill himself. Yeah, I mean, there's to a remind bit, himself why you don't do it. What about that bit where he's um, he's talking to the camera with the knife in his hand, and he keeps stabbing oh, at the at the camera. He's making a joke at content creators. <laughs> that was that was like, I thought he was going to hit himself a couple of Menacing. times. And he has another one where he's where, and it's where he throws his camera equipment towards yeah. the end. And he's punching himself in the leg every time he he miffs that line. Yeah. And he's trying to be serious. And you and you see him breaking. I mean, there's parts where he's just laying on the floor talking with a blanket over him. All his equipment and wires are strewn about the room. He's got a microphone laying on the pillow next but to him. But what's interesting about this is all of that is very contrived. And that's yeah. what he, he endeavors to show you in all of his work, that what he's doing is contrived. You shouldn't believe anything he's no. doing. He's a performer. Don't let it, don't like start to think you're, you're his buddy. But, you also see him in this break that very promise he makes to his audience because he's realizing like I'm human yeah. and I can't help it and I need to use this to connect with people and that's supposed to be okay. It's just the way that we've commodified it has made it not okay because yeah. it's toxic and you you see him work on it, 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 something that's clearly supposed to be a planned emotional speech yeah. and fail at it and then you just see him say the words I am not well on camera, and then he just breaks. And I start crying there every time. I mean, he throws the mic. He tosses a light. He, he like, walks over and knocks a camera over. I'm like, <laughs> and then there's the one bit where the camera, and I did this. I've done this mm-hmm. where I'm trying to shoot something, and I have a ring light and all this crap. And it's just too many wires. I'm not paying attention. I nick a wire, and all of a sudden my camera's coming at me, and I'm like, oh, come on. He does that at one point, and I'm like, "Oh yeah, vibes, man, fucking vibes all day." <laughs> the camera falling, but you really you see him have an actual breakdown. Like yeah. he lets you. Well, you see, see him that. deteriorate. I mean, there's scenes where he's just wearing a t-shirt and underwear, just sitting at his piano trying to work stuff out, mm-hmm. and then singing a song. Like he, uh, like he, he even has a line: "I haven't showered in nine days." Yeah. And you're like, I believe that. You look like you haven't showered in nine months. It's, it, and that's only like week two. <laughs> he's he's doing he's doing his best, and sometimes his best is barely alive. But just remember when you're having a bad day, you, we know it with please help, and and no, I remember. And you would have to fight through whatever you were going through at that moment. And be funny. That's why this special means so much to me. It's yeah. because I've been Bo. You're, I am Bo. You're watching a creative who is unhappy forcing himself to do what he loves when he would rather just curl up underneath his bed, and under his sheets, existing. and just go to sleep for the rest of the day because it's easier. And Or for 18 months. Hell, I did it. I've done it. I've done it myself where I, After- I literally spent three days in bed because I'm just... I've been looking for jobs or I've been working on the podcast or I was writing a bit and I just, I I couldn't get my mind to be in that space. And you are, um, this is more almost a documentary. There's a front bottom song. Um, 
And at one point he, he says, what does he say? You are an artist and your mind don't work the way you want it to. Um, and that, that line always sticks with me because that's exactly what it is to be an artist. Like you think it should be so easy if you are on the outside and you've never really been a creative or your talents lie elsewhere. Like it looks like it should be easy. Oh, you're just taking pictures or you're just like painting something like, yes, you need technical skill, but there's more than that. Like sometimes the inspiration or the connection that you need just isn't there because art isn't about making something that looks good or sounds good. It's about connecting to people. Mm -hmm. And if you don't know what you're trying to do with your art, then you can't connect. And it's, if you don't want to make your art, it's really hard to get that part of your brain going again because you're not used to making those. So like forcing yourself to make art through that kind of pain is difficult and necessary at the same time it's 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 this torture you impose on yourself it's kind of like working out yeah and especially when you mess up yeah and you're you're really trying to like he had a couple songs where he starts over a couple of times he's just like all right now now i'm gonna do that again and he talks about it frequently he's he's such a perfectionist and he he always kind of was but he also grew up in the spotlight and the spotlight of social media fame of all things yeah. which is easily one of the most parasitic kinds of fame oh. especially in its early days when nobody knew what kinds of behavior it was the to wild watch west for it was the wild west yeah. he was a cowboy yeah. he was a comedic cowboy in the wild west and but that he was also silly but it's true he was also an early pioneer of this stuff um at least for and your generation that always had the internet where yeah. My generation... We didn't always have the internet. You, uh, well, I mean, okay, we always had the internet, but it wasn't the same. No, no, it wasn't the same. What I'm saying is there was a time before the internet, there's a time after the internet, and being famous was very different. You had to yeah. really... You had to yeah. have connections. I don't remember that Get on TV, sure. get on the radio, get on whatever. that, And then the internet came along, and it was like, okay, you can do this with it? And then certain people figured out how to be a star. And for a brief moment, and this is the way it is with every new form of media, and the corporations who buy them will try to tell you that it's the media itself that makes it easy to create. That's not true. It's the people who get in there early, who figure it out before everybody else, they they just they have a wide open arena to play in. Yeah. They're they're not competing against as many people or as many people with money. Yeah. So they can get famous first. And Bo Burnham came from a rather fortunate mm-hmm. family. Um, and he doesn't make light of that. Yeah. And he, he, he says, he, he says in make happy, he's like, Oh, you think that you can do this? No, no, no. I got lucky. I'm privileged and I got lucky and I'm unhappy. Mm-hmm. I mean, th- I remember the early days of podcasting. It was like guys like Adam Curry, who I believe was a VJ on MTV. He was one of the earliest people to do it. But the problem was, and no offense, I think th- I, no offense to Ricky Gervais, but when the Ricky Gervais show came out and then they made a cartoon out of his podcast, they were like, oh, he's the pod father. He invented oh. it. And they did that with a lot of different celebrities. And it was only because they brought podcasts into the mainstream. You would say to someone in the early days, oh, I, I do a podcast. What the hell's that? Mm. No one was listening. It was a niche market. And celebrities came along and kind of gotten to the playground of the normal people who just wanted to be entertained. Which is exactly what Bo was. Because literally when he started posting videos on YouTube, it was just to make his brother laugh. Really? He was just trying to be silly for his his his, his brother. <laughs> That's who cute. Was, I think away at college. That's awesome. And so it was like a, an easy way for him to send his brother videos of him. like Older brother, silly, I'm guessing. Yeah. Then. Okay. All the silly songs he would write. And, yeah. And so he was just some normal kid doing a normal kid thing. And then other kids in this little niche market found him and were like, Oh my God, these songs are hilarious. You're our new guy. Yeah. 
And it just grew from there. And then all of a sudden when we hit, when, not we, it was really more millennials. I'm kind of younger. But when the first millennials who liked him kind of hit that, that 21, 24, that Zenith age, they were like, oh, what are these kids like? Bo Burnham, give the kid, give the kid everything. Yeah. And, and he, he thank, luckily for us, he deserved it. Yeah. I am mad that I didn't really know him as well. I used to mix him up with, um, who's the guy that did Sleepwalk with me? I don't know. Mike Birbiglia. Oh, oh, interesting. I, and My I brother don't, really likes him. I don't know why, because they don't really look alike or anything. They're, they're, you know, it was just, I no, remember him being a comic that was kind of talking about, like, he had a sleepwalking issue and, like, depression, things like that. And I mixed him up with Bo Burnham because Bo Burnham did a lot of things about him, uh, about mental health. Depressed, yeah. And I just didn't, and I was, I kind of fell off of comedy for a while. There was just, I, I don't know what it was. I, I just stopped watching a lot of comedy specials and things. Um, and he just passed me by. But he's very much a comedian that I do enjoy. Just those two shows you showed oh me. God. You should watch what? Are, what is, I, I will. No, I what totally What is his will. earliest one? Like the one that I saw that really, really, really made me yeah. into Bo Burnham. It's so funny. The right brain, left brain thing is going to kill you. And I, I mean, and, and like I said, I like people like, I like John Mulaney. I think he's funny. Yeah. He's, he's not my generation of comedy. Which is funny because I think you're the same age. Yeah, but I, I don't, I don't think he hits with. I guess he does, yeah. Is he my age? I, yeah. Okay. I, I think he's also in his 40s now. Oh, all right. But I, I just find it funny because I don't. I think. I know people who watch him, but I, I, I know more young people who watch him. Yeah. You know? He's definitely, he's like a zillennial kid. Yeah, like, like he, he kind of, he got past me, things like him. that. People who love Bo Burnham and John Mulaney like swim in the same circles. Yeah, I can see that. But I just, I think, I think Bo brings more to the table just in terms of the amount oh absolutely the entertainment he provides is way more vast he he's a musician a songwriter a comedian he's, he's kind a, of a he's political a, a, a political analyst a philosopher he de- he he brings he relates to his audience with his issues mm-hmm. and he he he's as vulnerable and as he can be abrasive it, yes. it's it he he really balances it out and he, and he just he he brings it and you can tell he's struggling to do it yeah and that's what i find so impressive about it. i'm not saying i know mulaney had his own issues no and um, that's exactly like, and i and I, and I and i like mulaney i just don't know enough of him the way you do and it's just when john mulaney makes jokes it's just he's he's doing it and he's talking about him and if it applies, he's a stand-up if it applies to the world at, at large then so be it he's yeah. not trying to say yeah. anything he's being occasionally a... he's trying to say a little bit of something yeah but bo burnham bo always... Burnham is trying to say something and he wants desperately for you to hear him yeah and he's he's very he's well he's read trying i mean to warn us about he, a lot of things when he goes on like little rants in the middle of his songs and then he'll just throw out these diatribes of just this is the what global the global network of capital essentially functions to separate the worker from the means of production. And the FBI <laughs> killed Martin Luther King. <laughs> Private property is inherently theft. I can't hit that note. You, but you, you, you just exemplified what I was saying. Yeah. that was and and. Bo, I hope you don't mind me singing all these songs. Uh, I guess they count as covers. Dude, we're trying, man. We're we, we're just showing our love because I I. 
I'm glad you brought this to the table because I really enjoyed it. I just what I have to talk to you about is that funny feeling because that's the what song was, that broke which, everyone. Which was the that funny feeling? Uh, um, the one where he's in the trees and it's suddenly really sad. I'm trying to remember where he's in the tree. Oh, oh, yes, yes. Starting a K resolution meditation app. Yeah, I do remember that in now. Honor of the revolution, it's half off at the gap. <laughs> and it just gets sadder and sadder and more sardonic. And like, I have learned this song. I know this song backwards and forwards. Sometimes I try to sing it. And I can't get through it because I just start sobbing in the middle. And do you know how hard it is to make a funny, sad song? It is. And that's exactly what it is. Like, it's a comedy song, but barely. Phoebe Bridgers covered it. Because he's putting in all the things that are wrong with the world. He's 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 being a sarcastic prick while just going off on, these things are fucking killing us. He somehow (laughs) makes the line obeying all the traffic laws in Grand Theft Auto 5 sound like the saddest, most heartbreaking thing you've ever heard in your life. And and his music is powerful. I mean, a lot of it is either 80s kind of wah-wah-wah-wah techno. Like, it it almost sounds like... You're he what? literally, one of his cut songs was about wanting to be an, a white guy in 1985, and he's like, white guy, 1985. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, I'm going through my list just no, trying yeah. to remember. Um, what was the thing? He had something about, like, frustra- the, like where he just goes off, and he's super, like, frustrated in the song. It was towards the end. That's all of the song. It was like the frust. I called it the frustration song because he was oh, just. Oh, is it the one that's kind of like the one at the end of Make Happy? He's starting to like snap during it. Oh, got it. Good. Now get inside. It's so fucking sad. Oh, oh I just I I watched this with the subtitles on for the first time, it's, and I just I, got I'm the glad line. I did. Got it. Good. Now get inside, and I started crying again. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. See, but that's. That's powerful. I mean, any anyone can make someone laugh. Anyone can make someone cry. When you can do it at the same time, that is a gift. Oh. It's a gift, my friend. Oh. And it's because it's coming from the heart with him. You know, it really is. And oh my god, that's that, that that one where he does the reaction video to the intern song, which by the way was the first like three years of my career. That was brilliant. That's that's the inside of my head. That's what anxiety feels like. That is exactly Base. what I feel like when I forget to take my meds, and sometimes still when I take them, it's just constant self criticism on top of self criticism, like watching yourself in a mirror on a video over and over again, and you can't make it stop, and it's awful. And when he's like, "I'm stopping this," I'm like, "I wish I could do that." For the for the listening audience, basically what it is is he's spoofing people who do reaction videos to a song that he actually did about interns, and as he's watching it, kind of like you see the block at the top corner of the screen, another block comes in of his guy reacting to the video and now he's reacting to himself reacting and it just keeps adding on to it it's about five of him and they're all talking over each other and he's just losing he's 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 critiquing himself critiquing the video critiquing himself critiquing the video and it finally gets to a point where he's like i don't like looking at myself like this i want it to stop yeah and And that's that's a man who has done work on his anxiety and i I can't do that i want to know how he filmed that like he must have to film that last one first I don't. I don't know. Like, oh, I, 
Because hmm. because they all match up really well. So he probably I mean, I did know. the longest one first and then just shaved it down each time, maybe. I don't know. I don't no. know how he did it. It was really cool. No, he could definitely have just actually been reacting to, oh, I don't know. Right? It blew, it was messing up. I, I'm sure it's the most simple thing in the world. Yeah, and it's just, it's hard to unravel from the reverse end. Yeah, it, 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 but, it, and, it, and the camera work he was doing was. Well, you, you see at the beginning how much time he spent working on his camera work. But did you notice, and this happens in a lot of the songs, where the camera is, I mean, creeping zoom. It's just, you barely notice it. He sets it. all of that with automation and beforehand. You, and you see it, and then it starts backing away again during the choruses. Like He, was he a, timed that out. He was his own stage manager. Yeah. He set cues, and then he, he acted. But you can see it the most when he does Turning 30, which, by the way, is a hilarious song. That is, and that I think when I turn 30, heart. I'm going to have a <laughs> Bo Burnham theme party where everybody shows up looking like shit. That broke my heart, because he's just sitting at a clock. With two minutes left, and this is how he's spending his thirty, his last days of his twenties. And he's like, I'm just gonna sit here and enjoy my twenties. And you just know he lost his twenties to trying to recover his mental health. Yeah, (laughs) it it was it. That was one of the more just introspective things. Just watching him, and you're thinking about going like, Yeah, where were you when you were turning twenty? Like yourself, like where was I when I was turning forty? And it's like, thank God I wasn't in fucking COVID. When I turned 25, that's exactly Actually, where I was. I Because I turned 40 in 2019, so I missed it by a year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, oh, God. That's painful. It's just, oh, uh, and it, it was all painful. No matter where you were, you missed something important, informative, and it's just going to affect your life and make it weird in a completely and that's, different way. That's why I, th- I, I'm glad we're concentrating more on inside. And I know you wanted to concentrate on both, but no, I no, think no. the I'm, first show is I'm gonna so contextualize it with make happy at the end. The Don't first worry. show is who this guy is on stage. Yes, this is. Who and this guy is in his creative process under the worst conditions he could possibly be under. But it's important to know what he was like on stage beforehand. Yes. And also, that song at the end is a of, really, really... Of which? Of, of, of Make Happy. Okay. It's such an excellent analysis of what sent him into that depression in the first place. What and like why song? he needed to pick himself pa- apart. It's, it's a really unassuming song. I don't blame you for not picking up on the fact that there was a deeper meaning to it if you didn't. It was the one where he's imitating Kanye. And he's like, can oh. I say my shit, can New my- York? <laughs> and like, there's a deeper meaning, obviously, like when he's talking in the middle, because yeah. he's like, my biggest problem's you. I wanted to see me. But even when he's doing the Kanye thing, yeah. he's making a statement. Because what he's saying with the whole song, and you can see it best represented in the way the lighting goes. Because when he's doing the Kanye thing originally and singing about like the Chipotle burrito and the Pringles cans. It's too much in the Chipotle burrito. <laughs> Exactly. He's he the, all the lights are on him. All the lights on the entire stage are focused on him. His face is illuminated in bright white and and then he gets close to the stage and he's he's talking and he's being real with them and yep. he's saying my biggest problems you. I don't know what to do. Like I want to please you but I don't want to care what I think. I I don't want to care what you think. Like I want to say what I think but not care what you think about it and like I part of me loves you. Part of me hates you. And it's just that that cloying 
relationship that every entertainer just by needs has to have with their audience yeah. in order to want to keep creating or to even be relevant yes it's it's just that all the time and he's talking about that and being more open with it than i had ever heard a celebrity be about it before and then he goes i don't think that i can handle this right now yeah. and and the lights go back and now he's backlit and he's illuminated and you only see his silhouette but he's talking about the burrito again and then you realize he's saying that when celebrities even celebrities like himself are being transparent with you, they're still lying. Their lives yeah. on social media are not true either. They're people. They have much bigger problems and they're all insecure as you are. The only difference is like they got lucky and like they know they got lucky deep down. But what he's really saying is deep down, I feel, I know that I got lucky. I don't yeah. think I deserve this. Yeah. And it's just like he breaks. Mm -hmm. And you see it. I mean, you you visibly see him sh like getting shaken. And I get it because it's... it's <sighs> And and what I found even weirder about Make Happy was his jokes are a little brighter and, yeah, they and are. a lot dirtier. Like he uses the F word and I don't mean fuck like oh, 10 no. times in yeah. one song. And I was like, that's. Hey, Bo, guess what? <laughs> and I was I, I was like, wow. The, <laughs> but no, I love that song. But if if you don't know who he is and you're hearing that song for the first time, you're like, what kind of a comedian is this dude? And you would never, if, if you didn't know him, you would never guess correctly. No. And, and, and it, it all comes from a place of sarcasm and making a point, but it's so visceral and hard hitting. And that, and when he the makes the salt, and the that... salt and vinegar joke, yeah, that was ballsy. He's doing a call in response with the audience and he, he lulls them into a false sense of security. And then he says, favorite chips, salt and vi, and some of the audience members finish it. Yeah. And, and, and it's so funny because the camera pans the audience and you even see one woman going, oh, my God, I said it. Yeah. And, and it, it's very much like the you don't. I do. You don't. I do. You do. I don't. I don't. Damn it. You got it. it was one of those bits. And he but got. he did it to real people. Yeah. I mean, that crowd, a lot of people in the crowd said that line out. And, and they looked genuinely horrified I, with I, themselves. Some of them were bright red. I'm such an apologist and anxious all the time about what, about not sounding ignorant. Because I really don't, I really want to not be that, I don't want to grow old and be just an angry old piece of shit. Which is one of Bo's insecurities as well, which comes out in everything he does. I don't think I could ever even joke the way he does. The balls he on him. He has so much courage. And he's so good at it. And I think it kind of comes from being a 15-year-old asshole on YouTube and getting lauded for it. But what I'm saying is, I couldn't just go out as a novice comic on stage and do that joke. I don't think the crowd would know how to handle it because they don't know me. Right. You have to know Bo. Exactly. And that was, and not knowing him and hearing that joke, I was like, what am I in for with this dude? Because that <laughs> happens very early. That happens two minutes in. And you're like, that's after the first song's over. And then he goes into that bit. And it, and it's during like a rap song, right? He was just like, no, well, there's the rap song. He's like, yeah, you've never seen a comedy show like this in your fucking life. That was great. There's a reason why it gets old after a while. <laughs> and, and no, I'm, it's yeah. He's, he's just going to start talking. And then a random track starts playing and they're like, Hey, Bo, want to sing a song? And yeah. he's like, okay, sure. <laughs> All right, let's go. Hey, Bo, guess what? What? You're, I'm not going to say you're an F word. And they say it all like 10 times in a row and you're just going oh my god oh my god and you're sinking in your chair but when the bit's over you're like oh wait no like he had a point to it and and 
which which part of which is that people used to call him that all the time. Yeah. And even though he wasn't, it's still a horrible thing to say to say to anybody. Yeah. I mean, and and but the it, it was it, sympathy with people who get called that and are being intimidated. It's so hard to be that kind of comedian. Yeah. Especially nowadays where ugh, Joe Rogan is opening up. He just opened up the mothership something. It's what? a comedy club in Austin. Oh, kill me. Where there's no censorship. You can say whatever you want on stage because we've gotten so- to a point where you audiences can't handle shit. And I'm like, nah, dude. You just want an excuse to be an asshole. That's a Nazi den. That's- You're opening a Nazi den because yes. that's the only thing we don't let people say. And look, Nazis and jo- we even let people make stand-up jokes about people, touching kids sometimes. Can, like I don't believe that dirty comedy's dead. I don't believe offensive comedy's it's dead. It's not. I've heard we, plenty of it. You are gonna find your audience, and you know what? Bo Burnham does dirty comedy. It's the way you do the joke. It's it's your intent. And if you're just going up there doing dice man going, you know, and then I banged her in the in the vestibule again, you're like, dude, you're just talking about fucking somebody. Like it's it's and and you have to know how to be dirty, a dirty comic. Yeah, it's, there is an art form to it. You know, there, it's really just knowing how people tick, and yes, and knowing how to deliver a joke and be on both sides of the fence. Yeah. Because that's what Bo does. He he plays it as I'm going to be the offensive person that I'm making fun of. If Bo is playing a character, he usually wants you to find that character offensive or yes. obnoxious. And he's doing a heightened reality version of the worst human being you can imagine and is basically saying this is what this asshole would say. Yeah. And I'm going to say it in a comedic way. That's tough. And I what don't did you, What did you think of the Kill Yourself song? Which one was the Kill Yourself song? It that was, w- that was on Happy it- when he was like, kill yourself. That was most like some of his older stuff. I, and he hates it. See, that was the kind of comedy I grew That That would be like a Stephen Lynch song. Yes. Stephen Lynch has songs literally about stuff like that. By the way, we should put a warning at the beginning of this episode. Oh, no, no. I mean, yeah, I just, will. I just had a thought. I was like, we should record that. I'm used. You have to remember, I grew up with. Carlin, Pryor, like Richard yeah. Pryor, yeah. Red. I even I I remember watching Red Fox, and Red Fox was like almost worse than Richard Pryor. You know, like Eddie Murphy. Yeah, he does a whole bit about what if these celebrities were gay, and he it's offensive as hell. But that was the comedy we had. Yeah, you know, those were the guys who made it because they were the loudest voice in the room, saying the thing that no one else would say. And some of them, some of them hold up. A lot of Carlin holds up. There's a few that don't because the times change. But that, that's exactly, comedy censors itself. Yeah. That's exactly it. If you feel as a comedian that you are being censored, it is because the community that you are pitching to, or perhaps if you are big enough, the community that consumes comedy at large is not ready for whatever reason. Yeah. Could be they will never be ready because it's horrible, yeah. but is not ready for the jokes you're telling. Yeah. And you need to either step back or chill out or rework your pitch or maybe think about your thought process or maybe you're depressed because a lot of the times I feel like when those comedians fall off the rails, it's a sign that they are losing their grip. Oh, yeah. Most like, comedians. A genuine issue that like I feel like 
it's it's like something they should be more aware yeah. of because it's a pattern. And it's like if you feel like you're being canceled, look inward, man. Yeah. It's like when, when Carly and I, uh, Carly Polstina, who, used to be, who was on the Pride and Prejudice episode, great comedian. Oh, I love Carly. We used to work with. Um, we were talking about comedy one day and how comedy was so different when I was younger compared to now. A, a lot of times comedians are very, they're just doing kind of goofy observational stuff. And it's not. It's not changing the world. But then there's other comedians who comedy comes from a dark place. It comes from making fun of the world around you, yourself, something that's bothering you. It's I didn't realize until I, I was funny until the middle of COVID and I was depressed and I... You, you get to a point where you have to realize the absurdity of your situation because yeah. it's like, oh, what? I'm so sad. I can't get out of bed. What do my arms not work? Do my legs not work? You have to make jokes at yourself because there's nothing else to do. Comedians are the good ones are the ones that can relate to the audience and sell them on. You never thought about this before, did you? Yeah. You know, and. Bo does that really well. You know, Chris Rock does that really well. And you know what I think that is? That comes from looking at the world in a different way than most people. Yeah. And that goes part and parcel with being a rather lonely person. Or And also going from nothing to celebrity. Which is And also knowing something. both sides of it. Because that's what happens to comedians. You're, you are either kind of a little name yeah. your whole life or something happens to you and all of a sudden yeah. like, everybody knows who you Chris are. Chris Rock makes the great joke. He goes, I'm, he goes, I'm rich, but I identify as poor. And I and it's like, yeah. He goes, but my daughters don't because they've always been rich. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and he goes, and I spoiled the shit out of him. That's, he, I don't want to do the whole bit, but that was his point is I came up from nothing. I've been working since I was seven, sweeping floors. And now look at me. You know, like I can fly my mom to Paris to go see my fucking daughter to hang out and have coffee in Paris for no reason. He's like... That that's kind of mess with your head. Yeah, you know, you, you John Mulaney is a bit about that. You too. have to stay relatable because that's hard. His bit is like, oh, I worked on SNL and people are always like to me, oh, are celebrities nice? Yeah, no, <laughs> or maybe they are for their version of life, like of yeah. life. Like yeah. people want to know, was Mick Jagger nice? <laughs> no, or maybe for him. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you look at Adam Sandler. Name a movie where Adam Sandler isn't some filthy rich guy who dresses just in basketball shorts. Yeah. He's rich in every one of the movies that he's made in the past, like, 15 years. But he he's not the character, you know? Like, his character never fits who he is. He just... And he makes fun of that and Funny People, which Bo Burnham was in. <laughs> was he? That's literally what Funny People was about, is is Adam Sandler is making fun of being Adam Sandler. Huh. It's It's a... It's a good, not great movie. It's Judd Apatow, so it's far too long for to be a comedy. It's like two and a half hours, and you're like, Apatow, comedy, 90 minutes, in and out, baby. No one wants to sit for two and a half hours listening to jokes. I'm sorry. It doesn't work that way I would anymore. take 105. I would take 105. I could do 100 really minutes. Good. Yeah. I'll do 100 minutes. But, um, but yeah, I, and I, I'm glad we did this because comedy is such a changing art form right now. And I understand where Joe Rogan's coming from. With, I don't. No, no. What what I mean, because he's still in that menta- the old world mentality of, I don't want shit to change. We should be able to say whatever we want and this and that. And that's fine. We should be able to say what we want. Like, dude, okay. But that doesn't mean I have to listen to you. Yeah. The people who say, like, say that, you, 
Listen, you can still say whatever you want. The co- Freedom of speech means the cops can't come to your house yeah. and arrest you for saying that. You can say it. The problem is it just might make people not like you yeah. anymore. Maybe you can you can have your gripes and actually change people's minds if you did it in an intelligent way rather than just, ah, you see these fucking idiots? Ah, I'll tell you why they're fucking idiots. And, like, I, and I, I understand, like, you think a lot of people are being performatively angry and there is an air of performativeness to, like, the way we do everything yeah. now. But I mean, that's what Bo Burnham was talking about too. We were raised a generation of performance performers. A lot of people like don't even know the difference anymore. People who yeah. grew up on reality TV, what, what, there, there's a whole hodgepodge of stuff in there that kind of makes our generation like the me generation. But when when Bo says that, he's like the 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 self centered it was taught or it was yeah. cultivated, yeah. which I think is a very interesting thing to say because who loves themselves more than the boomers and who had most of the millennial children, yeah. the boomers. And, but not for nothing. But, we're also dealing with a generation. You may disagree with me on this of younger people who are having trouble dealing with the realities of the world Well, because a lot of them were kind of kept in the dark about it for a long time. Until they hit kind of almost college years, you know, like no. a lot, there was a lot of, sh- I, w- I mean, I'll admit with my parents, I wasn't sheltered from vulgarity and things like that, but I did, I did have those like times where it was like, oh no, you're a, you're, you're it's, it's all magic and things are going to work I out. I think like the that. problem is that we were sheltered. I really, a lot of people are pointing th- fingers and saying that was the problem. I don't think that was it because I don't Or is feel, it we're just getting more aware of mental illness? It's that. I don't feel that we were sheltered. I think that we have gone through a tremendous mm-hmm. amount of stress for people our age. Even before the pandemic hit, uh, there was so much that kids were expected to learn and achieve in school. And it feels like everybody's school environments were more stressful and more competitive. Oh, you than guys were sh- we didn't, you know what I played when I was a kid? We had two sports. You could play basketball and you could play baseball. You know what I was good at? Neither of them. But it was all we had. And it was like, we'll do sports. I want to do sports. I want to do art. There was no art. It was just, there wasn't stuff nowadays. Oh, well, my kid's in soccer, ballet, this, that. And he has a 330 at this, a 330. It's just a lot of structure. Kids are overscheduled. Yes. And I, and George Carlin has a great line. Where he goes, parents, leave your kids alone. Yeah. Put them in front of a window and let them just think about the world and use their imagination. Yeah. They're not going to be you. Let them figure out who they are sometimes. And I, I, I always thought for such a gruff guy, that's such brilliant advice. Yeah. To just trust your child to use their head for, for something and just find out who they are. Let them work it out a little bit. Let them tinker with the machine. And I don't even think it's also, it's not necessarily even about controlling their personalities, although that is certainly an issue. I think it's more just, there's this sense of competition from the moment you're born. Like you have to get into the good preschool to get into the good kindergarten to get into the good. And, and that's, not every, that's not the parents doing that. like that. But that's the parents doing that. But it, and there's this elitism and the, you think you have to set your kid up for this. And in a way, some parents are kind of right because like, what if you don't set your kid up yeah. for this life and then they want something more that requires them having good connections and like a, a, a stamp on a degree from a crest from a fancy school <laughs> and you didn't set them up like that, yeah. then that's your fault. I mean, as a parent, you think that way. Yeah. And all, and, yeah, go ahead. 
And it's, it's, so I feel like all of these kids have this external pressure from parents coming from outside, coming from society, just because everybody was telling us, you have to go to college, you have to, you have to do this, you have to, it's the next step, you have to get this nine to five, you have to, and it doesn't work for everyone, and not everyone's life was supposed to be set up that way, and they created this funnel, and so many of us came out the other side of the funnel, and we were like, oh, well, what are we supposed to do now? And they were like, you expect us to tell you, and it's like, well, you've been telling me my whole life, and what was supposed to you guys had more freedom we are that's what it really was look at roll bounce we when the street lights came on we came home we were alone all day doing whatever the hell kids did and that wasn't great but there's i feel like we swung too far in the opposite direction we were over scheduled we didn't get to discover Mm -hmm. shit for ourselves we didn't get to just kind of roam around and make those connections outside i'm so bad at making friends out of organized activities i don't know how to do it every generation of parents i think goes through this and and i'm not a parent and trust me i am not to 10 years i'll make my own i am not crapping on parents Parents have a really tough job. I couldn't raise a kid. That's why I decided not to have a kid. I impress with parents today for teaching their children to be so emotionally intelligent. Yeah. I see parents like teaching their kids to take deep breaths when they're having tantrums. And well, I'm because like, Where we've was learned. That? But every generation of parents doesn't want to make the same mistake their parents make. So and they make sh- different ones. They may they do, but it's and sometimes they overcorrect. And I think we're at a time right now. Also, we're at a very interesting crossroads where. You have societal norms changing with sexuality and gender, with gender. I mean, everything in our lives is categorized very differently than it used to be. The categories have grown. There's more categories and there's more boxes that you can fit into. And a lot of parents are all for it. Some of them are just Some it's of them are not that they won't be able to relate to their kids. It's not that they're against it. It's just that they don't understand it. There's some that are just plain bigots. They're, they're in, I don't know what to do about bigots, so I frequently don't count them into yeah. these conversations because it's like, well, what can I do besides punch, punch you in the face? Like, what? what? Bottom line is parents in general, not all parents, want the best for their kids. And they're, they're learning it. They're learning to be a parent the same way you're learning to be a kid. You know, you're, and it's not... It, it's not always their fault. They're really trying. To, they don't know what the future is going to be. They don't know how times are going to change. How did we get here? Because we were talking about depression and how comedy's changed over the years and censorship, things like that. Just how the world. Oh, and Joe Rogan was blaming it on our generation. Yeah. And, and I just think, you know, people like Bo Burnham bring that stuff to light in a very interesting way, even beyond comedy. You know, and that's why I. It is kind of like, it's like, no, listen, here's our side of the story. I think Inside is a very, after I watched it, I thought I was just watching a stand-up special. It felt almost like an important documentary on what COVID did to people just from the aspect of a guy whose livelihood is being on a stage in front of humanity. And it's something that he's not even fully comfortable with. And now he can do it in the comfort of his own home, but he doesn't have the reaction of a crowd saying if it's funny. Actually, Hassan Minaj also has a joke about this. He's like, uh, Hassan Minaj, he's another comedian on Netflix. Um, he, the Patriot Act, that's his show. Oh, uh, okay. I know the show. I don't, I've never seen a stand-up. So he did this joke about how like he and his wife were having trouble having a baby, but like then he got to a doctor and he, he, ha- he hadn't really wanted one, but then they got to a doctor and the doctor was like, oh, dude, unless you get this surgery, you can't have kids. And he, he said, 
oh, things get really, really real and much more different when don't want becomes can't have. Mm-hmm. And that's that's kind of what because happened to Bo with the, the Because you're given the choice. Yeah. You, you, and the choice is made for you. And that's Bo finally decided to perform again and the warbles like can't have. I mean, how many times do you write something and you think it's like this brilliant thing and then n- the people don't have the reaction that yeah. you that you have in your head? He's just putting this out into the world and he doesn't have a crowd. He's hoping he's writing funny stuff in a very He hopes it's still funny, yeah. In, in, in a very trying to be funny tragic state. Stuck in a room. <laughs> there isn't much more to say about it. Can one be funny when stuck in a room? It's it and it, this like I said, I think this is way more important than the sum of what its does he parts. Say at the end? He also says at the end, um, um, the, oh, that last, that last bit. Um, I promise yeah. to never go outside again. <laughs> I know that was the line you were looking. And what for. I loved was throughout the show, we can't get the door open. I yes, the door no, is locked. Did you like that let's play? I thought that was very clever. What was that? The let's play where he was playing the video game. What part was that? He was pretending that his character... That was when they introduced the concept of that he couldn't get the door open. Yes, 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 yes. yes. I kind of remember Find the it. flashlight, cry, play the piano. Yes. Oh, the, the, oh the, where he's pretending to be a live streamer? Yes. He's, and, and he's talking to the live streamers? You didn't streamers. know what the phrase let's play meant. That was my bad. I, I'm just... I'm, I, I, if you had said the live streamer yeah. bit, I would have gotten yeah, it. Yeah, that was my bad. Um, But that was hilarious because he's just like... Hey, what's up? It's your boy so and so, and you know, hit smash that like and subscribe button. He's doing all the douchey shit that those guys have to do. He's acting the part really well. He did that. Was hilarious. I also thought it was really funny. The hints in that sketch were also like hints to help with depression, like open a window, like turn on the light, <laughs> play some music, and then he still just chose to cry <laughs> instead just, of playing a piano. I guess I'll cry again because that's what it felt like. <laughs> yeah. Now, this... yeah. I guess I'll cry again. There's nothing else to do, and I'm pretty miserable. Uh, this. Show Show, like really it's such a roller coaster and i think this is a, like psychologists should do papers on this i'm pretty sure some of them it, it it really is one of, like i mean every right. sitcom tried to pull it off like i remember um, oh it's so corny uh what you would call it, it, it but it, they did it all right was what was the big box store show uh superstore oh i never saw that that's a funny show i actually really enjoyed everything about superstore i had a i had a fun time with that show and they play the covid bit in the last two seasons they they literally are doing they're wearing masks throughout I guess the that show makes sense cuz like what that's their new reality they yeah. have to and and it worked well but this addressed everything so, like pinpoint and even deeper than that. Like, I, I like I know I'm singing its praises, but this surprised me. I did not see this coming. Mm. And I was sitting there yesterday, just having my lunch, watching it. And then my cat just sat in my lap, and I was just kind of sitting with my cat, taking notes, and being depressed. Well, that might be my next sitcom. <laughs> Get ready to hear about a new obsession, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> But no, I thank you for bringing this to the table. This, and you know, I'm gonna watch more Bo Burnham. I'm so glad. I really like. I I liked him as an actor. I really did. And I just didn't know. I just didn't know about him. You know, it was just one of those guys. I just didn't know he, he was did this never stuff. ever aimed at your demographic. I knew that you wouldn't have seen him. That's yeah. why I pulled him out so immediately. I mean, he's only ten years younger than me. Yeah, but <laughs> you know, he, it's, it's his not like audience a audience skews much younger than him. Oh, like I, I'm. I'm. 
Okay, not, not, my, not much younger, but I'm five years younger, and I'd say I'm in the middle of his audience, maybe toward the upper end of the age group. Okay, okay. I guess. Like, he, he does have fans older than him. I don't want to pretend like he doesn't, but oh, yeah. I would say that it's probably not an even split, and a lot of them are younger. Yeah. But, no, this was this was great. Like, I really, really dug this. Um, I would I would recommend this. The fact that they, like, that last bit we were talking about, about the go outside, when he opens the door, mm-hmm. and it's just this bright light, and you see him on a stage. and It's, it's a, a reference to Make Happy. Oh, is it? Yes. Keep talking. You'll, you'll say, you'll realize so it as you say it. He, oh, I think I know what you're saying. Um, and it's a, it's a fake version of the outside of his house. Yes. I, I think it's a set. It's a set. Okay. Um, and he, the crowd starts applauding. There's a spotlight on him and he There's can't, a spotlight on him. he can't get the door open and go back inside. And he's like traumatized and he curls up in a ball and just starts crying. And the audience starts laughing louder and, and they louder. just think it's part of the, I mean, it's all fake, but it, and it is just, it's like comic hell. And then it cuts to him watching it on a projector, and you see him slowly start to flash a smile. Yeah, that was awesome. The projector's over his shoulder, the camera's a low angle, and he just... I actually wrote that down. Watching him watch it, smirk. Because Because I had to rewind it and check that out, and I was like, that's... He's going to be okay. He watches it. He finally watches it through. He knows it's done. And you get that feeling. Like, you know that artist feeling when you know you've made something and it's done. And he's also just watched his worst case scenario. He's kind of made himself sit through a therapy session where it's like, oh, I'm afraid if I go outside, everyone will laugh at me and be staring at me again. And like all the attention will be on me and I'll have a panic attack and they'll Mm -hmm. laugh at me more and I won't be able to handle it. And he made himself watch that. And then he smiled because he was like, I'm okay with this. And I'm done with the thing. I made this whole thing. It's finally over. I survived. I can put this out there. It's there. There are the multitude of emotions and that, in that whole, little smirk. That whole thing about when he's just talking to the camera and he's like, "It was like day two hundred and something, like eighty three. Yeah, I, day two sixty three or two fifty three or something." And he's like, like, "I know." Okay, so this guy's been in here for a while. I chose to make this, but if I finish it. Then I have to... I have nothing to do. I have nothing to work on anymore. Yeah, and, and he's So like, I'm never going to finish it, and I'm talking to no one right now. Fuck you, and let's keep going. Have you ever done that? Like, yes! I, I, when I first started messing around with podcasting stuff, I used to just sit and talk. It, like, it would be three in the morning, pour myself a glass of whiskey, and I would just talk to the microphone. And the next morning, I would listen to it. Maybe I should start and doing the that with shit singing. And the shit that came out of me sometimes, I was like... Wow. You were either in a funny place, a dark place, or you just didn't know. You were just rambling like an idiot. Because I'm always saying, like, I want to start, like, writing my, like, lyrics down or music or, like, I should. maybe I should just record it. And yeah. just because I'm always, I'm so embarrassed to record it because I know I have to hear it back. And yeah. it's the biggest hurdle to get over. And yeah. and it's stupid. <laughs> it's it's You watch this and you see him exemplify the great hurdle that artists have to get over to tell themselves, it's stupid to feel this way. Oh, I piss my pants a little every time I put one of these shows out. Yeah. Or I'm just I like, we'll record this and I'll be like, did I sound like an idiot? And then I'll listen to it a few times and then people will have critiques, but they're not what I think they will be. They'll, they'll be like, your audio is a little low. And I'm like, if that was the only problem, I'm so, you like you the content. What? When somebody levies a critique against me that I've already known about. At I'm least just you're like, listening. I'm just like, yeah, I know. I got to fix that. But at so least. Either way, it's not a big deal. But at least they're listening. Yes. And, and 
when you're a performer, that's really your goal is, is just connecting with people and connecting with your art to the audience. Like you said, and yeah, no, this, this, ex- this just exemplifies everything an entertainer or anyone who's just a little lost in the world went through. Just especially people my age. I feel like there was this wave that went through all of my peers when this came out that was like, he gets it. Yeah. It, it, he's right. He was right in Make Happy. We were a generation raised to perform to everyone, to everything all the time. And that was fine when we had our little social circles and, you know, the nine to five was getting to be a grind, but we were working on it and we had our social circles at work and then the world shut down (laughs) and social media became all we had. And we realized what a prison we had entrapped ourselves in. Yep. And, uh, yeah, Bo was right. And if you want to know. a bumper sticker, Bo was right. If you want to know what people in our age group and working group, because people who were like had to work through the pandemic and like be out there and were, uh, what what was the phrase we kept using? Oh, um, essential workers. Essential workers. God. Got to bang those pans. Those poor essential workers. Got to bang those pans. I remember every night, like cheering out the window. And it was like. It was like during during war. Yeah. When when people would like like you'd hear the bell ring at like Big Ben and you're just like, There's still life out there, boys. And then and then the and then the, the siren would ring. Uh oh, we gotta go back inside and hide. You lived in a suburb and you were in Bo's age group, the, this is what it felt like. It's just it was just long stretches of, of what what the hell am I for? Yeah. And 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 especially if you were an artist. Because for the first time in a long time, I think a lot of people were able to think. They were forced to slow down and they realized, oh no, Life, I'm fucked up. Yeah, no, I've been distracted by my job. That's what, you know what? You talked about how like you and your brother and everybody, you got to do all these great things that you'd been meaning to do for a while and putting off. I also did that. It's just the thing I'd been putting off was addressing my mental health and the mountains and mountains of CPTSD from my childhood. And it was so much to piece through and it was legitimately so much work. I would come out of therapy sessions every week and I would be exhausted and reliving parts of my childhood. I didn't know were tragic. I've been there. (laughs) And it was just, it was a lot of work. And honestly, I don't know if it's work I would have been able to do if the world had kept operating the way it was. And I would have been a less complete person thinking I was whole. Listen, you can't much younger. The fact that than you, I am. Think about it this way: the fact that you came out the other end, even realizing that you worked through stuff, is an accomplishment. You know, you you got yeah. to you got to get to know yourself better. And no, you're never going to fix all your problems. New problems are always going to pop up. Old problems are going to bother you. No, but some of these problems were structural. <laughs> but but you know that's life. You, you, things. You know the world's going to keep spinning whether you, wh- whether you want it to or not. It's just how you deal with it. And when your brain doesn't want to give you the right chemicals to deal with it, because I, I know I'm I'm there. I'm in the same boat with you. You know, I, I when the brain doesn't want to give you the right chemicals, and then you talk to a doctor, and the doctor says you were too good at school to need these chemicals. <laughs> you know, it, it it mental health is a very important, very important thing that we do not take we take seriously now, but. We're not there yet in terms of society. No, we think societal, we take it seriously now. Like the fact that any moron can become a politician and run the planet without a psyche valve is terrifying. Yeah, because 
Because yeah. let's just look at what ha- who who was running the country during COVID. And how Not well that, that I fucking went. Psyche vows would be used to do anything but keep neurotypical presenting people from becoming president. Like they would just bar out neurodivergence. I just want could. a non-sociopathic lunatic who doesn't have their finger on a button. Right. That's all I want. I no. want someone who's not a bigot and has Adam. That's too much to ask for. <laughs> but you know, I digress. But if uh... Ron DeSantis. <laughs> Oh man, oh, we're going off the rails. So We've, yeah, we got you want to rate this thing from the end. Here. All right, so this was Bo Burnham. This yeah, this was Make Happy, and more importantly, as much as I like Make Happy, Inside, Inside, and you should watch the Inside outtakes. I want to know what you I, think of some of the songs he cut out. Yeah, I, I would. I'm, you might actually like some of them more. I think that's what I'm gonna be doing later. So are they on Netflix? Yeah. Oh, cool. Everything of his except for Words, 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 which was his first stand-up special, which was the Comedy Central one, is on Netflix. And Words, 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 the recorded version is on Spotify. Right on. Okay. And then everything he did when he was That's when teen- he was like 18. Yeah. Yeah. Almost everything he did. I don't think everything he did, some of the videos have been taken down. But almost everything he did when he was a teenager is still on YouTube. Nice. I'll definitely give him a watch. I'm, I'm definitely going to give this guy like a watch. I, I still have to see um the uh the Big Sick and stuff that he was in. I haven't seen He third- was in The Big Sick? He's in The Big Sick. What? I did not know about so many things that he was in. Yeah. No, he's been in a lot of stuff, and I've seen half of it. And I never – it's it's funny. What, what does he say? He goes, when I meet fans, I get two reactions. And he goes, um, and it's never bad. It's mm-hmm. either, wow, how tall are you? Oh, yeah, or, he's like seven feet tall. Holy shit, you're really tall, man. He goes, those are the two reactions I get. It's never, I loved your show. It's always, God damn, you're really tall. I feel like that He's just me a too, tall, unassuming white. Him, oh my God, how much I admire him and everything. Yeah. But I would like, he'd be towering in front of me and I'd be like, Jesus, you're taller than I He'd probably be more, more nervous than you are. Jesus. Honestly, you both have that same kind of like nervous, nervous energy, I'm oh, sure. Oh, Bo, 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 Bo. And, and it, what's, that's what makes wait till you see promising young woman because he plays unassuming white guy and i think that's why i just never recognize him and stuff is because he's an average white guy i just happened to not and like that was another one eighth grade i meant to see and never got to see uh the big sick meant to see never got to see that was it it was just things got in the way of me seeing a movie i intended to see that would have had bo burnham in it (laughs) but now well now we got stuff we go on so uh, let's you. I'll let you rate this oh, first. Yeah, well, I mean, I think I've made this clear that this is a formative experience for me, and I'm going to give this an eleven. This movie, this documentary, this this special, this is this is just a piece of my soul. Like if you did the inside out thing and you like looked in there and there were like islands of interest or something, one of them would just have an inside just floating above it. Yeah. I don't buy posters of things lightly because if I did, my walls would be covered in posters. So you should know the fact that I bought an inside canvas print. <laughs> which is much more expensive than a poster. I, and all my friends in high school, like it, that's the other thing. Like remembering Bo Burnham reminds me of like g- sitting with my friends around the computer and giggling at like the irony song Yeah. In, in when I was like 15. And, and it's just, it's all those memories. And it's like, he grew up with us and he feels all of the same pain, but a million times worse and is smarter about it. He's relatable. He's relatable. He's saying all and he's the so, things. So smart. He's, he's, Piecing together all the things that you can't quite get pieced together yourself. And he says it, and it's just this wash of relief. And yeah. he does it with such beautiful music. His The difference in his vocals between Make Happy and Inside. Oh, I'm like, dude, you were taking lessons. He was really impressive. And his... He, 
When he says, I can't really play the guitar very well or sing, bow, bow. I don't care if you're using the capo or not, man. He was nailing that guitar song. His voice is beautiful. That guitar song was excellent. I really, every song in this was excellent. I I was very impressed. Um, I forget. There was a, there, there's a British comedian. He has like long hair, wears eye makeup, plays the piano barefoot. Oh God. I he's, don't know. I, Jeff, Jeff will tell me. And I'll probably, <laughs> he's going to yell at me for not remembering this guy's name. Tim Minchin. I've heard that name. Oh, he was in a sitcom, and I don't know what one, but I, I know his face. Tim Minchin. I just discovered him a couple of years ago. Uh, my friend, uh, like I said, the um, Jeff from the Sting episode, introduced me to this guy. He's hilarious. Like, he's just he's a lot like Bo Burn, plays classical piano. Oh. He's wearing, like, black jeans, a black kind of messed up shirt like I'm wearing now. No shoes. Eyeliner, like got his hair say all it's crazy. Easier to play the piano barefoot. I'm sure it is. I'm sure it is. Some people are just more comfortable doing that. And I remember watching him. He's he's from um he's actually Australian. I be- uh yeah he's Australian. I really do like um musical comedians. Uh so let's uh, what what I gotta rate this thing is I'm teetering between a nine and a ten because mm. I do like this a lot. I really think it's important. I think it's probably one of the most important stand-up specials probably ever made just for the subject matter. But I don't know if I could sit through this as many times as you have. Oh, yeah. I sat through it's this hard as to therapy. Re- it's hard to revisit. And that's why I'm teetering. If I'm not in the right mood, I can't listen to these songs because, again, I will start crying. Yeah. Like, I would it say... It really is kind of like reliving the pandemic. Yeah. Like, I... Would you say a nine is good for this? For that, f- fair reason to give it a nine. Yeah. I will and, and give it's, you that. And it's not that it's, it's you could rewatch as many times as you want. It's a hard rewatch. You are reliving a man's pain that is relatable to your own. Yeah. And that 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 wound is still pretty open, you know? Like You're reliving the quarantine. Yeah. Because you literally watch him go from, this is kind of okay to God get me out yeah, of here. Yeah, because as much, like I said, as much good that came out of the quarantine for me just letting me realize that i can work on my own things now and i have free time it was my mental state was a wreck i had two i had two nervous breakdowns during COVID. Uh, i literally had my parents were literally taking care of me i just remember my brain shutting off at one point during january 6th even i my brain went it's it's like just snapped and i was just like Holy shit, this is the world we live in. Everything went mental for me. It, it was just Tour, so, you know. It, it was like every layer of your life was exploding at the same time. Yeah. So, oh man. Inside. So, that was inside. It I was. That was good. That was, I really enjoyed this. Thank you, Mel. This was, I needed this. <laughs> uh, it's cathartic, isn't it? It really is. It really is. And I'm glad you didn't cry too much during it. I, <laughs> I thought you were the normal amount. You started to a little bit. I'm like, oh no, here she goes. I was all cried out yesterday. It's, oh, good. it's good. All right. So next time on the show is a very special episode for us. It is. What is it, Mel? It's our 50th episode. 50 episodes. That's crazy. We've been doing this for a while. This puts us in. What, like season three? I Should I start introducing myself as podcaster now? It seems to be the most prominent thing. No, I've been a writer for years. Come on now. Writer, broadcaster, everything. Just because you can't find my published work because of Google things doesn't mean it's not out there. Because of Google things. By the way, if you want to read, I've written a lot of stuff about Bo Burnham, like analytical essays. So if you want to read them, 
they think they should all be under my name on the things.com, which is where I used to work before and stars. Lovely huh. website. Love the Valnet team of sister sites. Love them all. Their screen ran is also one of those CBR where my friend works. I think I worked there for like a week. Yeah, they're not. They're a genuinely <laughs> nice company. They treat their writers yeah. like very well, especially relative to how writers get treated in this industry frequently. And uh, yeah, my I've got some stuff on there about Bo Burnham and also like other stuff if you want to read it. There you go. So some yeah. of my early work. <laughs> got a plug in nice yeah, yeah, yeah. so uh yeah so next time we are go- we're we're planning something special we're not gonna talk about it yet um we will definitely let you guys it's definitely not because we're not sure what it is That's no not we, at all. we it's it's more logistical we're trying yeah. to figure out how we're gonna do it no, and get everything done <laughs> like so for our 50th uh, 50th for our 50th episode we're gonna plan something special for you guys and Again, we are very happy that you guys have stuck with us and always, you know, tell your friends, get, you know, tell you, tell get your, the word out because we love doing coworkers. this. Tell your co-workers. We were co-workers and maybe you can become friends over the podcast. It's a show for the old and the young. It's true. <laughs> the at... medium old and the medium young. There you go. Yeah. That's, <laughs> medium that's old, really medium what we young. are. <laughs> I like that. Oh, man. So, yeah. So Or anybody who wants to learn more about film. Yeah. So next time. We're going to be celebrating our 50, our big 5 It's going to be a good time. So until then, I have been Adam Mock. I have been Melanie Weird. And we just made you watch. A podcast. See you next time.